You've come to the right place. If you're a course creator looking to build more impact, income, and freedom, LMSCast is the number one podcast for course creators just like you. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of the most powerful tool for building, selling, and protecting engaging online courses called Lifter LMS. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest who I've known for quite a long time, Daniel Danes Hutt from Down Under. How are you doing, Daniel? I'm very well. Thank you for having me, buddy. It's really, is this going to be a fun episode, especially on the marketing bent for course creators. Daniel has a lot of experience around content marketing. He's helped us and Freya has helped, his partner Freya have helped us with content marketing. And he's just been uh, just going crazy with some crazy numbers that I want to tell you about here. You can find him at ampmycontent.com. And he's got a specific article at ampmycontent.com forward slash promoted dash content that we're going to be talking about today. But first, Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to chat, man. It's been too long. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> um, course creators out there, a lot of them, they have this problem. I call it the five hats problem. They have to be an expert, a teacher, a technologist, a community builder, and an entrepreneur all in one. A lot of them are experts or teachers, but they don't really have that marketing muscle built up. You know, they might build a great course. And, but, you know, I just, a little side note I want to say is that course creators have a strength that a lot of other online business owners don't have is, which is they're used to creating content. Like they'll get it done. They just need to know what to create. So I just want to put that little caveat about what makes course creators different. They can make videos and write all day long. They're just not sure how to do it. So how can we help course creators today um, create some content that's not behind the membership or inside the course that's going to work for them? And how do they drive traffic to that? I have all kinds of questions around this because I see far too many courses launch without the marketing really thought through. How can you help these people? All right. Well, um, I'll give you some social proof up front so that people pay attention. So I wrote eight posts in two years. From those posts, the, first, the second article got 50,000 visits, which led to $3 million in uh, client requests. We didn't take them all on. In fact, we pivoted from that in the end. Um, we've had the top 10 content of all time on inbound.org, top, uh, top 10 content of all time, uh, sorry, 2017 and 2018 growth factors. So all these results um, with very little content. Um, I, I used to work in retail for years. And so I think one of my major skill sets is I'm empathetic. And because of that, it makes me a good direct response marketer because I'm a bit of a nerd. I did engineering. I understand numbers, but I also understand people. So uh, copywriting and things like that and content writing is just kind of connecting the dots between the two. So a big thing that we talk about is you don't actually need that many content assets. You just need the right ones. So you don't so, have to blog every day. No, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't want to cuss or anything like that, but no, you really don't. So a big, a big problem with that is we, we emulate what we see and what we're doing is we're reading new sites and media hubs and things like that. And those guys are paid to get the same person to come back and the same eyeballs on an advert. 
So if you come back five times per day, they'll get paid five times, you know, like five bucks or whatever. You as a small business owner or course creator or service owner, that's not how you earn money. And so you don't need to be churning out this content all the time for the same person. In reality, you want to make something good and get it in front of someone who's just like the person who's already buying. And then someone else and then someone else. Like uh, like Kevin Kelly, a thousand true fans. You know, you just got to keep putting that in front of those people. There's actually certain types of content that people need. And I normally find that people either get traffic and no sales or they get sales and no traffic. Mm -hmm. And it depends on the background that they have. Some, especially if you're an inbound marketer, you kind of want people to come to you. And if you're an outbound marketer, you'll go out and be aggressive, but you're not creating assets and stuff. In fact, you want a blend of the two. So digital sales and things like that, we need specific things. All sales, in reality, we need trust and we need authority. And the person needs to understand the problem and see that it's a solution. They need to trust that its solution will be provided and all these things. The problem with digital is there's an emotional disconnect. There's this social dissonance where they can just, they can click the button and turn off, right? If you're listening right now, you could turn off if you really wanted to, but you'd miss out. So we have to do all these different things to keep people uh, entertained, to build trust, to build reciprocity. But it's actually not that difficult. You'll find that um, how-to guides, super actionable and valuable, the customer will buy from you. If you're trying to sell surfboards, if you're teaching people how to surf, Yes, it might take a little time at first, but that person might buy 10 boards at $2,000 a piece over like the next couple of years. So it's worth teaching. Even though everyone's got a post on it, it doesn't matter. If that person wants to buy from you, it makes sense for you to have that asset on your site. So, you know, case studies of people like a transformation. Because if, if we think about it, the reason we buy anything is for a change in state from uh, pain to pleasure or status or tribe or whatever. So case studies and testimonials and things do really well. But then again, customers don't have websites and they can't build links to you. So then you need to create assets that people do have websites we're linked to. So, you know, it's like white papers and ultimate guides and things like this. So when you break it down, you really only need about eight or nine articles to run a successful business. And I'm going to prove that because that's what we're going to do with our a new website and that's kind of like what we're doing right now. So that's a big thing. Understand you don't need a huge amount of content. And then also if you are going to do that, obviously that content has to be good. Um, I've got an article that I'll link to where we show you how to take an old post and actually turning into what we call killer content. There's, like I said, there's certain things that make the most effective posts online. We read data by Bosumo and, um, Jonah Berger, who wrote uh, Contagious, like why posts go viral and things like this. And we took all this information and we created this checklist. And it's basically, yes, content that has authority, content that builds trust, content that builds reciprocity. But in reality, it's longer content, content with images because it provides context and it breaks up and it's easy to read. Content that's actionable. So if you're actually telling them how to do a thing, not just what the thing is, you know, so the guide that we're talking about today, um, is like 30,000 words. You don't have to do that, it's an, um, but it's a great asset to get influencers to link to. But it's the only reason it's 30,000 words is because it's super actionable. We talk about ad design, and then I walk you through and show you how to design ads. So by the end of that chapter, you've actually got your ads designed. And so, that's at ampmycontent.com forward slash promoted dash content. Yeah, it's all in there, but like, um, 
those are the two big things that I need to kind of get people to understand is you don't need that much content. And um, to actually get killer content, you know, it's, you can go into old content and actually edit it and tweak it. And it's only certain things. And we show you a side-by-side -side comparison of two posts so you can see it. Um, what's sorry, the, I've had, What's the difference between an ultimate guide and like a blog post? Like what makes it a guide? Is it the actionable nature? Like it's not just information or story time? I think all content should be actionable anyway because there's different elements we want to hit. And if the content is actionable, then it becomes valuable, which means they will either feel reciprocity to take an action, to opt in, to buy, or they'll tell friends about you. Uh, a blog, if we think about it from the original context, was um, someone sharing, it's like what Twitter is now. It's sharing how they feel and what they think and ideas and inner thoughts and stuff like that. Direct response is all about understanding it's not about you, it's about your audience. So you need to give them what they actually need, which isn't that difficult, it's just talking to these people. You know, I was listening to your um, episode with Nick Osborne, where he's talking about conversational copywriting. Yeah. It's, it's the exact same thing, it's talking to them and actually understanding who they are and what they need and then helping them connect the dots from where they are to the offer that you have. That's all we really need to do. That's all that content has to be, you know. They have um, a specific problem here. Let's help them solve that so then they can figure out the next thing. So now they're ready to be a customer, you know, and, and move it, move on from there. I apologize. Like I said before, I've had two coffees. So I'm, uh, I, ca I can kind of ramble on and things like that. But just let me know if. No, if you're you doing good. You're doing good. I, I want to know, like, if somebody is listening out there and they're a course creator, and they're going to create some of this killer, like long form content. And instead of getting, they're going to dispel the myth that they have to blog every day or even every week. How can they be strategic about the content? And I'm going to give you a specific example that we could uh, use. Let's say I'm a course creator and I have a course. I'm a runner about how to go from being out of shape couch potato to your, your first marathon and like, 90 days or something like that. So couch potato to marathon finish line in 90 days. That's my course. What kind of content or ultimate guides should I be creating? All right. So the, the article that we talk about, um, this big guide, it's all about paid ads. And in it, we, we talk about how to write an ad. We actually interview our audience so what I will do is I will have like a one-on-one -on -one Skype call or a coffee with someone who has done the thing, someone who is close to solving and taking the action. So who's about to become a customer and someone who isn't. So, so someone different parts of the journey. Yeah. So because then I can connect the dots between the three things because people will never tell you what they mean. And the reasons the underlying reasons behind things are totally different. If I talk to someone who's already completed it, they'll be very honest and, and raw about the stuff that was actually motivating them. So I can connect that with this guy. And with this guy, he understands what his problem is now, but he knows two weeks ago when he didn't even know how to describe the problem, he, knew, he knows what that is. So now I can talk to this person. A big secret is I will do that before I even write the article because if, uh, or create the product because it's really easy to create an advert if the content, if the product all ties together. So, I like to, if we talk about sales psychology, there's, um, 
there's two types of salespeople. You have the people who make, uh, sorry, three. You have people who make an offer and that's it. And then you have people who are pretty good who do reframing. They come back and they find out what the objection is and they try and change it. And then they find out what the new objection is and they try and change it. It's, it's reframing the objections. The people who are really, really good uh, are what we call pre-framing. They find all the objections in advance and they bring them up and they create solutions to them before they even make the offer. So what happens is, and I'm a big nerd, so I apologize on this. If we were to have a conversation and I make an offer and you have an idea about like running, you're like, I don't want it. That's too much effort. I, I never been in the habit. I can't do it. Blah, blah, blah. If I make the offer at that point, there's no chance. But if I know all those objections you have and I cover them in advance and I walk through how to get there, it's a really easy way to get someone ready to buy. So let's say like I wouldn't, I wouldn't even go from couch potato straight away. I would go from casual runner to like my course would probably be like casual runner to marathon runner because that person's a hot lead. But yeah. I would still talk to couch potatoes and I would do a piece of content like, um, you know, how to lose your first five pounds running or something. And the first stuff I would talk about is the major objections that they have. And it's like, uh, it's habit creation. Make sure your running shoes are by the bed. Do it at the same time every day. Um, it's about the trajectory you're on, not uh, where you are. You're not going to see results for X amount of time, but they are there. Stuff like that. Because at that point, those are the major things stopping that person from getting off the couch. Then the next one is, okay, well, to stay committed, you need to get a running partner. So here's how to find friends. Here's how to do this. Here's, you know, and so we walk them through it. So I'm going to, so it makes sense. You actually move in them from one thing to the next. Can I share my sales funnel and how it works like the yeah, let's, let's hear it. Let's hear it. So um, we have my content and we created, um, we created a course called the Amplify Content Academy. We teach people how to write, but we also teach people mainly how to leverage content, how to promote it so we can write less, how to run paid ads, how to do SEO, how to get on podcasts, things like that. Um, it's pointless me trying to sell that to absolutely every small business owner. So what we have is we have a sequence of content that actually gets people through it. So the first thing is the manifesto where we cover the major objections. People think they have to write all the time. They don't. People think it's very difficult to write. No, there's just a couple of different things. So we go through that. Then the next article is we show them how to um, take an old article and improve it, right? Because now you're, you're, you're on board with the idea and you want to get started, but I don't want you to take this massive leap and write something brand new and come up with an idea. I want you to take a post that's got a little bit of traffic and let's get more simply by improving it. And these are the tick boxes and this is what we have to do. So now you've got an article that's getting more traffic. Brilliant. Let's make it more efficient. So I go through how to capture more leads. Um, all our articles do 17 to 83% opt-in rate. Most websites will collect 2%. So like two out of every hundred readers we're getting 83 out of 100 to specific pieces of content. We show you how to do that. So by that point, you realize that you don't have to write as much. You know how to improve content. Your content's already capturing more leads and getting more traffic. Guess what? You probably want to get it out in the world and get more people to read it. And we have a product and a training program that does that. So we're creating the ideal person uh, who's ready for our offer if that makes sense. And it's the same, uh, same with the running. That's what I would do. So, you know, even though people have written 10 million times, if not more about, you know, 
habits to get started running in the morning. Yeah. It doesn't matter because that is a conversation you still have to have. As like the business owner, even if you were selling running shoes, it's the same conversation you've got to have, right? But because you've got to have it over all those times, why not create an asset to do it for you? So you have a piece of content. You can build links to it so Google will push uh, get more traffic. You can run paid traffic to it so you can get brand new people who've never heard of you and things like that. So in reality, like it's not that difficult is i'm sorry if you can hear the little dogs in the background we got uh, puppies and there's um it's construction okay. work going on <laughs> yeah. um, so it's not too difficult what we're trying to do instead is um different threw me off my uh it's working my, smarter not harder right yeah um and it's also learning what those assets are that you can leverage because a lot of people will think oh no i need to create a piece of content that has uh, no complexity, uh, no competition, so I can rank in Google and things like that. And yes, you're going to get traffic, but it's for like this random, random long tail keyword, which is fine. Like that works. But in reality, kind of people uh, laugh at me when I say this traffic is just a bonus. If you had a physical store, if you were selling one to one, you would have all these same conversations, all these same conversations with these people to get them ready to buy. Um, by actually having those assets, you can speak to more people and you don't have to uh, repeat yourself all the time. So straight away, you're kind of automating the process. It's a benefit that when you promote it, Google will send traffic. When Google dies and the next thing comes along, that can send it traffic and whatever. But it's an asset there that sells for you. It gets that person to that point. People think I'm crazy when I say that, but it's, it makes it so much easier to actually do those things in. And it's a better uh, experience for your reader and your customer because sometimes you'll have these conversations and you'll forget what you're saying or you're having an off day or you can't close. So you can create a piece of content instead that doesn't have a bad day. You know, it doesn't change. It's always good. It always converts. So I just pulled my shoulder uh, just then too much surfing in the last uh, last few weeks. I put my arm up and I couldn't move my arm. But I, hopefully that makes sense. It like, does. It does. What If we're going to make this, like what's the time commitment to do like an epic post that's like long, maybe not 30,000 words, but like let's say like a nice 10,000 word like solid guide or action plan to something. Like in reality, most content, you only really need to do about 3,000 words. Okay. The reason we did this is because, one, it's a massive topic that I wanted to talk about, and I didn't want to leave anything out. Two, I've been writing content for years, so it's not that difficult for me to do one of these. And three, it's a really competitive niche, and I wanted to kind of blow the doors off and say, here we are, we're these people in this niche. If you are selling surfboards or running shoes or whatever, you don't need to be creating that kind of content. In fact, I teach people ultimate guides should be like the eighth post that they create because it'll kill you if you try and do it too early. So a 3,000 word is fine. Now, I can write a 3,000 word article in about two hours, sometimes 45 minutes, and I'll give you like the, the sneaky uh, tricks on that. A lot of the reason why people can't write is they don't have systems and processes. Either they have these mental blocks and things like that, or they realize that they, they think they've got to write all the time and they find five minutes and the kids are asleep and then they sit down and they just come up with a topic like 10 things Batman taught me about 
WordPress plugins or whatever, you know, like it's, it's just like something that was just connecting the dots between the things you just did. So if you plan out your content in advance and you know the conversations you've got to automate and stuff like that, it makes it easier. Almost all content online, like they said those uh, seven or eight posts, they follow specific archetypes. So like the hero's journey and, and all these different things are the same stories that have been out for years. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel each time you can use templates. And by a template, I mean the way people perceive information, we have to hit ring certain bells when we do it. And it makes content more effective. And so, you know, we, we lead with uh, an intriguing headline and then we talk about um, the before, where they are now and the pain of it and the after and where they want to be and then the bridge of how they can get there. And then we get into the content and things like this. So if you understand the content you've got to do and you've got templates and things and structures and you know what it is, what I will do is I will sit down with a piece of paper, kind of like I've got now, and I will make notes. So these are my notes to talk about this particular episode today, the different chapters and things to cover. I will do that on a, on a piece of paper and I will put the template down and I say, okay, where are they before, where are they after, what's the bridge? And I will write these things that I want to cover and what makes sense in a specific order. And then I will turn on Camtasia or Snagit and I'll record myself talking. And I will just, as if we're sitting down right now and I face away from the camera so I don't like uh, put myself off, and I just talk as if I'm sat at a coffee table with a friend um, and I walk them through the things. And I talk about this and I try and think of like, okay, well, what might be an objection now? What might be a problem? And it's just an ad lib at first. I've covered all the stuff. I've done my research and things. I'll stop it. And then what I'll do is I will transcribe that personally. So then I'll press play. I'll listen to like 30 seconds. And I'll start to write and I'll start to write. Within the first 40 minutes, you've got maybe 1500 words. Super, super easy because it's, a lot of stuff is covered when you're talking and things. Then I just I'll want to say, I was looking at your post on ampmycontent.com and the copy is very conversational and there's lots of question mark, like call it, like you're, you're pulling the reader in. It's very good and it's Thank very you. readable. Well, that's it. I, um, it's, not, it's not the initial draft where the money is made, it's the edits. So we'll yeah. do like 15, 16 different edits for different things. Um, we do like sweeps of them. So I'm editing for flow. So I'm okay, well, this doesn't make sense. How can I say it for less? How can I put more white space in so that it's easier to read? How can I keep pulling them down the page and stuff? But once you've got that, like that ad lib and that transcription, that's the skeleton of the post. And then you're just going in and adding to it. And you say, okay, well, I talked about, okay, so for example, in this chapter, I talk about business numbers. People need to know their business numbers to run paid ads and blah, blah, blah. I, I talk about that, but then I show them. It's like, okay, well, step one, you need to figure out how much a customer is worth. Here's how you do it. So you log into your Stripe and then you do this and then you figure out the average order value and you should click this and then this. Suddenly you're at 3,000 words because you're breaking down all those parts. So now you have a template. It's 3,000 words or more. It's already actionable. You've already got a heap of screenshots because every time you said, hey, click on this, you took a screenshot and you put it in the post and things. That's why I love Snagit because it's so easy to like, you literally screenshot, edit, insert in the post, do the next paragraph, blah, 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 blah. So you can get something like that done in two to three hours. Like it looks like a finished post, probably better than most content you've put out there. That's when the editing comes in. And when we talked about that killer content and certain stuff to tick, 
it's like, okay, well, what's the word count? Um, what's the context? How does it flow? Is it easy to read? Am I being conversational but not talking down to the person? And things like this, like, and keep reading it through again and again and again. It's just knowing these processes and systems, and you can write content so much easier. So um, I have uh, one customer on, like, our training program. And he works, he's in Norway. He runs like a, like a HubSpot agency and things like this. And a client is worth $100,000, you know, and their, their conversion from leads is about 50%. So it's worth a lot of money, like, uh, and he wanted to improve his content. On his very first post, they would normally get five leads over the first two weeks. He got 21 in the first 15 minutes. Mm-hmm just because of how much the content had improved. And it was the same readers, um, you know, they were CTOs and things like that, but it was far more effective at doing its job. And it's just understanding and knowing all these things. And usually if you're, how we learned them was we made all the mistakes. You know, like I I wrote a 40,000 word post uh, over two weeks and it only got two shares. You know, I figured out what works by doing it all wrong. And that's why we created AMP because we're trying to help people kind of sidestep that, you know. And also I think content promotion is, it's very niche, but it's kind of like a lot of big blogs will only have one article on it and they'll put a list of all the methods and then that's it. But it's, you know, there's subtleties to all these things to make them more effective. Like our outreach right now, we get an 80% success rate, you know, with our, our outreach and stuff like that of like getting on podcasts, building links to things like that. Um, but if you were to read an article on it, it's like, find the guy who's linked to something before, send him an email and that's it. You know, so like, there's more to it. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's always like some finesse, but it's not that complex. It's just, if you tick these boxes and do these things, it's not that hard. So like for course creators with that content, getting to understand your audience, speak to these people. Why are you creating this? Um, is there someone, you know, who has this problem? How can you talk to them? Is there someone you know who's got past it? Is there someone who it would be good for but doesn't even know it's an issue right now because they're like they're so far removed? Things like that. If you just do that alone, you'll get better face-to-face sales. You'll learn how to write better copy. You'll learn what content you need to create. Just empathize and like be there with your audience. But again, I'm two coffees deep. So I'm like, pew, pew. And <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. stuff. The coffee's good. We're, it means we're getting like double the value in the same amount of time. Um, <laughs> you have like, uh, one of the things that scares Facebook or course creators is wasting money on Facebook ads. Mm. Um, what, like your, your article, how we drive a $22 to $1 ROI from cold traffic using Facebook and promoted content. What are some, You've been doing it a long time, so you've developed like a serious skill at it. But if somebody's wanting to get in the game of Facebook ads, what are some of the um, – and they create some nice content, pillar content to send people to. What are some things they can do to increase the odds that they'll get a positive ROI on their investment? Um, well, straight away, like as we've been saying, don't just promote anything. Because if it's weak content and it's not converting even warm leads on your site, chances are really slim it's going to convert someone cold. You know. So that's I just want to echo that point. Like before you go after affiliates or paid traffic or anything, something needs to convert organically. Like it needs to mm-hmm. pass that litmus test first. It's a really important point that some people overlook. 
even if you've only got like a hundred readers, yeah, um, that's it's still better to focus on trying to convert those guys and just talking to them and like emailing them back and forth to figure out what works. So there's, there's a few problems that people have with paid ads and stuff. Uh, they're scared of them. So they don't run any. And then they think, shit, it's a new year. I've got to change. My business has got to grow. And then they put money into it and they just burn every <laughs> bit of budget they've got in the first hour, you know, like, so it's all or nothing or they are promoting content that's not very good and it, just, it isn't tested. If you've got a bit of budget and you wrote a new post and you want to see how it works, if you've got the money to do that, then it's fine. A lot of people who will talk to you about paid ads have a huge budget and they're dropping 10 grand a day, if not more, and things like this. Great, not relevant to the person who's still got a, a job on the side and doesn't have a huge budget and doesn't know how to do this. So you don't have to spend a fortune. A couple of major things that you need to know. You have to know your business numbers because if you don't know that, as unsexy as it is, then you don't know what your margins are. If you don't know what a customer is worth, then you don't know what you're willing to pay. If you don't know, on average, how many leads you need to get a sale, then you, usually what will happen is they'll stop an advert too soon. Uh, I was helping out a local gym here and we were running an ad and for something like $17, they would make $300 back. So wow. people would come in for like a first month trial. That was on the first month. 10% of those people then signing up for a year long $2,000 thing. So they were actually making about $300 per person per dollar spent. But they turned off the advert because they didn't know what their numbers were. And we sat <laughs> down and I looked at them and I was like, no, you're like, yeah, we only made $300 this week. And I'm like, yeah, but you only spent $50. And also, uh, those other people just signed up. And on average, you know that every 10 people are going to sign up. So statistically, they're going to buy this, and they're going to buy this, and they're going to buy this. You know? So if you don't know those numbers, it's very difficult to, be, um, to run an ad long enough or be confident enough to do those things. Um, it'll keep you up at night as well because you're like, am I just wasting money? Blah, 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 blah. Another thing to understand is almost every ad starts at a loss. No one tells you this. You'll spend $4 and if you've got a good offer, you might make $1 back. It can be a number of things. The ad isn't converting as well. It hasn't had enough traffic yet to boost the relevance and things. Usually it's a, a message to market match kind of thing. You've got to just tweak it a little bit. And so what you actually have to do is it comes from product design it's called bottom-up testing. So you will find, you'll create these variations, you'll find what works and what doesn't, and you'll cut out what doesn't, and you'll keep the winning thing, and then you'll test variations again and variations again. People might have heard of it as uh, A-B testing or multivariate testing. So if we, in the guide, we talk about a Facebook newsfeed ad. We do that because it's the easiest one to write, it's the biggest image, you can write the most content and stuff, so you're more likely to write an ad that's more effective. If we look at how someone consumes a Facebook ad, it's the same as a sales page, but a little bit different. So if we look at a sales page, someone reads the headline, they read the intro, it pulls them in, et cetera, et cetera. When they are looking at a Facebook ad, they are scrolling through their feed, and the first thing that gets their attention is the image. So it just stops them in the track, say, oh, that's interesting or whatever. 
Then what they'll do is they'll read the headline underneath and they see if it's relevant to them. How our brains process information is what we do. We're trying to save energy all the time and we're just looking for specific things that are relevant to us. So if it's actually relevant to them, they'll read the subhead. Okay, well, now you've got their attention. And what they actually do is they scroll back up and they read the copy above. But if people don't know that, they start to write their, their argument in that copy at the top above the image and no one's reading it, they're scrolling past. You have to understand the elements of how it works. So when we're testing, we know that the image is the most important thing at first because if the image isn't stopping them in their tracks, they're not going to read anything, they're going to scroll straight past. So we will test just the image and I'll normally do about four variations. So it doesn't cost me a lot of money to do, but I will find one image that works better than the others. If we're going to test all these things, image, headline, subhead, copy and stuff, doing them one by one, just image at first, find a winner, then headline and find a winner, it means we can do a low budget per day and the ad gradually improves as we're doing this and we're learning more about the audience and things. Multivariate testing is if we tested every possible uh, computational variation of all those different things. Let's do all, all four images with four different headlines. So that's already like 32 different ads. And then this, and then this. So it works out as like 164 different ads. Yeah. If you don't have a budget, you've just burnt through it all just to find the winning ad. And guess what? Now you've got no money to keep running the ad. So, you know, like if you've only got a little bit of money each day to put into these things, it's fine. And it's the fastest way to do it if you've got cash. Multivariate, find the winner, scale it up, boom money in the bank. That's how people do these like six figure businesses in six months kind of things. But I know not everyone is in that situation. So you are better off testing an image first. It's getting more clicks. Then you test the headline and now it's getting more clicks. And so what's happening, it goes from four to one, now three to one, now two to one, one to one. And now you're making 50 cents back for every dollar you spend. And now you're making $2 and things like that. And you can keep improving it until it gets to that point. You know, so right now, our, I think our lead cost on this advert is about $3 New Zealand, which is about $1.80 US, which in the marketing space is highly competitive. I know from my business numbers, we can afford to spend $23 per lead. So spending like uh, $3 means we've got a $20 extra margin that we can put into ads and stuff. If I didn't know my numbers, I wouldn't know these things. Blah, 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 blah. And it's because we tweaked the ad and we kept working. When I first, I'm really stubborn. When I first wrote this case study, I did it when uh, Zuckerberg was on trial. Oh man, it was costing me like $25 just for a click. Not even for like for someone to subscribe, right? Because you're going to get eyeballs and you're going to get clicks and you get conversions and then they're going to be like sales or whatever down the line. So it was way, way out of my margins and stuff. The week that ended, boom, sales, it, it, the competition and thing, the cost just dropped down. After that as well, we started tweaking these things and then it went from $12 per conversion to $3, uh, $5 and then it went to $3 and then it went to $2. So it's like those gradual improvements means that we can then scale up from there. So it's understanding that you can't just promote crap. It's, ideally, you have tested it to a warm audience and they're opting in and things. And we have articles to show you how to do all that. Um, then it is understanding that they run at a loss at first. You've got to know your goalposts to aim for. So me knowing that I can spend $23 means 
okay, I can work towards that. And I know that I need to get 50 leads to make a sale. So I don't want to turn off the ad before it's got 50 leads because otherwise I've wasted my money because statistically there's not going to be a customer. Things like this. Like it, it sounds more complex than it is, but it's not that difficult. And the way we structured this article, the stuff that we're talking about, it's all done in a step-by-step -step process. So we teach you how to find your numbers at first, and then we teach you how to research, how to design an ad, how to uh, actually write the ad and things like that. So it's like you don't move on to the next step until you've got those things done. Um, am I making sense? Is it? You're totally making sense. And uh, I'm grateful. You're just dropping all kinds of knowledge bombs to anybody who's considering running a Facebook ad for your course, your membership site. And I'd encourage you to go check out ampmycontent.com forward slash promoted dash content. That's, that's a gold mine. I really appreciate that, Daniel. I want to ask, before we go, I want to ask one more question. We got the traffic, or we got the converting uh, piece of content. We scaled it with Facebook ads. We kept iterating until we got it working. What about the piece? How do we convert to a course or a membership sale from the content? Should we be getting them to opt in and then do a nurture sequence or go straight for a sale? Depends on how expensive the product is and how far removed they are. Let's say so it's like, cold traffic that hasn't heard of us before coming from Facebook, I guess. I don't know if that's what you mean by how far removed. but let's So we, we, we have the content academy and it's not cheap. Um, and normally people won't buy from me for about 40, 45 days after finding this. And that makes total sense because it's, it's not cheap and they have to learn and they have to be on the same wavelength and things like that. And if I just want to add, I had somebody uh, yesterday buy our Infinity Bundle. It's our most expensive software package. It's just under $1,000. I went and I checked my um, CRM. They've been following us in our email system for 10 months. Yeah. So. Right. So it takes time. I will yeah. say, regardless if you're going to pitch them today in an hour or if you're going to pitch them in 30 days get the lead because it's um if we look at sales psychology there's the commitment and consistency principle people um like to keep doing things that they feel align with themselves so if you can get them to say yes to something they are 40 percent more likely to say yes to a bigger thing so the sheer act of getting them to become a subscriber, and here's the irony, even if they put in a fake email, they are still more likely to buy from you at some point because they have taken some kind of action. They've paid their attention. They've put their hand up. They want the thing. Now, they're not going to get like your bonus or whatever unless they put in a real email, but it just goes to show like how more effective it actually makes it. So by getting the subscriber, also you're building an asset list because something like 60% of your sales will come from previous customers. So it makes sense to have this list. Also, it makes it really easy to promote posts in the future to your email list and say, hey, we just wrote this new article. You get a heap of social shares and stuff because you've got 5,000 people that you've built via subscribers. Also, uh, email is a very effective sales channel. So when you can automate, you can nurture, and you can build offers, you can promote new content to them, and things like that. There's one other reason why I suggest this as well. So I know that when someone first finds me, it's about 40 days before they will become a customer. And I know that I've got about 50 leads before I will get a sale. If I set up an ad and I'm running it for, you know, X amount of cash and I won't get a feedback. So 
we can set up tracking and things so Facebook will know who clicked on the ad, if they opted in, which articles they read, did they buy, how much it costs them to buy. I have all that set up, but I also have other feedback loops that are much shorter time periods. Because if I was to wait 40 days, man, I am not going to sleep at night and knowing if my ad is working or not, I'm just going to sit there and spend money for 40 days. You go insane. You pull your hair out and all kinds of stuff. I know people buy it, but it's like, am I happy to just sit there? So what I can do is instead is I say, okay, well, I need 100 leads. Um, I know what each lead is worth. <clears throat> and a lead will almost happen two days later. So if I'm tracking that and I have my margins, I know what I can pay for a lead, then straight away I'm saying, oh, well, this is less than what I know I statistically can pay. I can keep running the ad. I can keep tweaking and improving and things like that. So again, by collecting the subscriber, um, I'm getting a quicker feedback loop to myself. It's, it's going into my ads and I can say, okay, well, yes, I know this is profitable because I can spend X on leads. I make X amount of sales per 100 leads. I know what they're worth and I've got a, a quick loop. <coughs> I'm very sorry. I've been um, on Skype calls and things for days. So just... No, it's all good. So yeah, um, there's so many benefits to getting that email subscriber. You're building assets, quick feedback loops, helps with promotion. I'm all about smart, lazy. How can I make the most effective thing? So a lot of people will talk about what we've talked about today and they'll call it native advertising where they are, it's a sales page, but it looks like a piece of content. Now your content should sell in some way. It should sell an idea. It should sell uh, an opt-in. It should sell something. But because you've written it as a piece of content, again, you can build links to it. People will share it. People will boost relevance. I've got people who, are read, who click on an advert, read our article, opt in, and then share the original advert, boosting its relevance and lowering its cost, and also showing it to their friends. I've got other competitors sharing our articles because they are conversational and they prove a point, and they don't realize that they're sending people into our sales funnel and things. So you, you have this one asset that does 10 things. It That's awesome. Lead. Yes, SEO, it does, you know? So it's figuring out how to do those things so you can do less stuff or have a smaller team or, you know, be more effective of what you have. So, that yeah. is killer. That is killer. Well, Daniel Danes Hutt, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Go check out ampmycontent.com. Check out the article at ampmycontent.com forward slash promoted dash content. Is there anywhere else the good people of the internet, the course builders out there can do to connect with you? Um, in, our, in our header bar, if you're interested in the Amplify Academy when it opens next, there's like a premium training thing on there. You can opt in. In all fairness, you're probably going to get an offer for it at some point anyway if you opt in. The only other thing, and I always laugh because people keep asking me, is uh, my Twitter handle is at InboundAscend, A-S-C-E-N-D. People always want to know, but the thing is, I only ever post photos of my cat or music that I've been listening to, and occasionally I will share a blog post or something on there, you know, like once every four months. But if you want to see what, uh, I think I had Jerry Rafferty playing when you first, I didn't realize the call had already set up and it's just yeah. saxophone solo. So if you want to see like the crazy inside of my head, you can go follow me on Twitter. But all the stuff that we do is really, it's through the blog. 
Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, and I hope it's been helpful. Um, when this goes live as well, I will jump in and try and answer any questions and things or comments because I think you guys transcribe it, right? We do, yeah. So, like, if there's any questions and stuff like that, um, uh, I don't take on clients as much as people want to do that. It's just I couldn't figure out how to scale it, and me writing like this is aligns more with what I want to do so I can help more people. So um, I do get a lot of client requests daily. Um, but yeah, all we have is, is the content and the academy. But um, thank you again so much for having me. Um, and it's been too long. We should chat again soon. Absolutely. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I hope you enjoyed the show. This show was brought to you by Lifter LMS, the number one tool for creating, selling, and protecting engaging online courses to help you get more revenue, freedom, and impact in your life. Head on over to lifterlms.com and get the best gear for your course creator journey. Let's build the most engaging results getting courses on the internet. Mm -hmm.